Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. These days, there's a lot to be afraid of. The pandemic, for one, losing a loved one, lack of job security, trying something new, spiders. But what do you do when fear creeps up on you? How do you fight the thing that you're afraid of? Well, Chicagoan and best-selling author Lovey Ajayi-Jones talks about how to confront and overcome the fear that holds you back in her new book. It's called Professional Troublemaker, The Fear Fighter Manual. Lovey Ajayi-Jones, welcome back to Reset. Hi, thank you for having me. Great to have you here. I'm so excited to talk with you and learn more. Wonderful book, but I want to start from the beginning and have you define for us what a professional troublemaker is, because I doubt that it's what many people think it might be. Yes, a professional troublemaker is somebody who feels deeply committed to elevating the rooms that they're in by telling the truth, by disrupting for the greater good. They're the person who speaks up in a meeting you know, at work and says, hey, this idea that we're thinking of, let's, let's be a little bit more thoughtful. They're the person who's sitting at dinner when your uncle makes an inappropriate joke and says, uncle, that's not acceptable. And they're the friend that you have who is like, let's have a tough conversation about our friendship and where we're going and the fact that we've been drifting apart. Professional troublemakers are necessary. So why do you choose to wear the title as, as a badge of honor? It's a badge of honor because the world exists in its goodness from the people who are willing to speak the truth. You know, I think it is a badge of honor to be somebody who chooses to say things that are tough, even when they're tough. Okay. Like it's not about it being easy. It is not about the fact that we are going to wake up one day and be like, yes, today boldness. No, it's that we feel convicted and compelled to be a part of building the world that we want to see. And it's going to come with using our voice and our power. You know what, Lovey, if, if confidence was a person, it, it really sounds like she would be your grandmother. Yeah. You dedicate yes. your book to her. You share so many great stories throughout. Seriously, just hilarious stuff. Uh, and, and I love that picture of you, too, at her 60th birthday party as well. Tell us more about what she's like. Yes, my grandmother was the epitome of a professional troublemaker in that she existed in this world and took up space without apology. She didn't allow herself to be told that she wasn't enough. She allowed herself to be celebrated. We all know an older woman who, you know, she shows up in a room and she deals with it like she owns the room and she loves you kindly and will also lambast you in the same breath. Uh, My grandmother was for me, the, the sign of fierce womanhood, but she was still soft. And I was watching her as I grew up, and I didn't realize that I was receiving permission to be this person just by watching how she moved through the space and, and how she dealt with life and people. And she was deeply loved for it. Mm. That softness that you mentioned, did it ever lead to you seeing moments of her being vulnerable or showing fear? I think through just all of us in our lives, and I think being an honest person, being truly yourself, is one of the biggest forms of courage. It's truly one of the biggest forms of vulnerability. To be honest in this world that is constantly prioritizing fake harmony over justice is to be vulnerable. And that's what my grandmother was. She didn't shy away from 
saying how proud she was of herself, which in itself is professional troublemaking, right? My grandmother was not somebody who diminished herself just to make somebody else comfortable. And I think that in itself is a major form of vulnerability. This book is all about fighting fear, right? And I wonder if you remember the last time that you felt truly afraid. And if there are any principles that you write about that you drew from. Absolutely. I I write the things that I go through. Like, I'm an expert in my story above all else. And I think one of the reasons why I wrote this book is because, yes, there have been many times in my career and in my life where I've been afraid, but I've chosen courage. Because the thing is, you cannot have courage without fear first. Even in my career, like the TED Talk that I now have that has over five and a half million views, I was afraid of doing it because I didn't think I was ready for it. I was afraid that I would bomb when I got on that stage. Oh, wow. This was 2017. So I turned it down twice when they asked me to do this TED Talk. And the third time they came back around and I called one of my friends, Unique, and I said, they want me to do this talk and it's three weeks before TED. And everybody else has had a coach and everybody else has been prepared. And I'm jumping in three weeks before. And my friend said, everybody ain't you. You have the credentials. You have the practice. You can do this. And what my friend did in that moment was she loaned me courage. She loaned me courage that I didn't have for myself. And for me, the person who I show up as publicly, the work that I do, my podcast, this book, I want this book to loan people courage in their moments when they're afraid of whatever's popping up, whether it's a tough conversation, whether it's them asking for that raise, or whether it is, you know, dreaming bigger and you're wondering whether you have the right to. I want people to have permission to do all of those things. And this is what that book is doing. Well, perhaps you could loan some courage at this time. You know, the the pandemic has brought on so much sadness, so much grief, confusion even, right? Mm -hmm. A lot Mm -hmm. of people struggling Mm -hmm. right now, people trying to find their purpose, especially after losing a job because of COVID. What would you say to those people? Mm. You know, I think right now, the one gift that COVID has given us is it's made us reflect on the different things around us that haven't been working well, you know, and I think about how COVID has also gifted me with the perspective that fear comes in handy in the moments when it keeps you safe from physical danger. So hopefully fear is driving people to wear their masks, right? You know, fear is what tells you not to put your hand in fire. But that same thing is what is now telling you not to move forward. So in this moment, seeing what a scary world can really look like should let us know that the day-to-day fears that we have, that we build into major dragons, they're not as big as we've made them. You also say we should fail loudly. Explain that. Yes. I think we need to give each other permission, give ourselves permission to fail loudly. We're going to make mistakes in this world. You cannot be a person of impact or do something of note without making a mistake. It is part of life's journey. And I think failure is something that it's not going to be a matter of if you will fail. It's a matter of when at something, right? And instead of shying away from that moment, understanding that when it comes, it exists to pivot you, to give you something more that you needed to move forward, to level up. And for me, the moments when I fail, I typically come out on the other side better than I was, more thoughtful than I was. And it is usually a moment of reflection, deep introspection, 
that I might not have taken otherwise. So true. I'm just, I was thinking of, of my past failures. I mean, they happen so often. And in the moment, it just feels like the world is going to end, right? It feels like this is it. This is the moment that I'm going to be just ruined. But we always come out on the other side. Lovey, you were born in Nigeria and your family moved to Chicago when you were a kid, right? Yes. I was actually the same age as you when my family left Jamaica and we moved to Canada. Mm. So I felt every word as you described that experience, you know, even down to, you know, where you talk about, I didn't even realize we were actually moving, right? Mm Because they just never tell the child (laughs) what's really going on. But, you know, you write something that, that stuck with me. You said, after starting your new American school, quote, it was one of the only periods in my life when I felt like I needed to shrink myself because I was too much. I was too different. What do you wish you could go back and advise little lovey? Mm. I would tell little lovey, you're not too different. Actually, maybe you are. That is your superpower, though. That difference is going to come in really handy one day. Don't worry about it. But when you're nine, you don't want to be different, right? But I think I would give little lovey permission to be different. I'll tell her, listen, I know this is weird, right? Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. This is, on the other side of it, is a life that's greater than anything you could have imagined. How does your Nigerian culture shape your identity today? Yeah, my Nigerian culture is a major part of my identity. It is part of everything, even how I write. You know, I'm dual language, so Yoruba and English equally. Mm -hmm. And the thing about Yoruba is... It's a very metaphorical language. Like, Yoruba is almost taking pictures. And I think for me, it makes me a better writer because as I write, I want you to picture what I'm saying. And oftentimes, people will tell me and reflect that back to me and say, I heard your voice as I was reading your words. It's a huge part of who I am, my culture that deeply respects elders, my my bravado at certain times is very much based in my Nigerianness because Nigerians know how to brag really hard. <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> my best friends are Nigerian. They're sisters. And so, yeah, I, I grew up going to all the, the family functions and, and just knowing all of the traditions, for sure. You say in, in your book, you say, get a Nigerian friend. Why do you say that? Because we loan you bravado. <laughs> <laughs> Get a Nigerian friend. It is a vibe. We just, we so, everything about us is so colorful. Like, we so boisterous. Our food is spicy. You just, <laughs> you, you will not be bored with your Nigerian friend. And those parties go all night long, don't they? <laughs> Listen, my wedding, my friends still hit me up now and say, so whenever you guys are ready for a, a vow renewal, we are here because it was the turn, the turn up was real. I had two weddings in one day. In your book, you also have these um, suggestions of what to do in moments of fear. And you say, know thyself uh, and own your dopeness. But you also say to write yourself an oriki. What's an oriki and how does it help you in confronting your fear? An oriki is a hype mantra. In Yoruba land, it's it's part of our tradition. It connects you with your ancestry and your lineage. It reminds you of who you are and whose you are. And I think in a world that is constantly telling all of us that we're not good enough, in that world, we need to find things and ways to void that message. We need to find things that will say, yo, you're amazing. Let me tell you why. And the Oriki is a prime example of it. 
And I think, you know, we can all write each other one or we can write ourselves one. I think about Game of Thrones, yeah. right? When you think about Daenerys, you know, Mother of Dragons, Breaker of Chains, Queen of the Andals. Anytime Daenerys came on stage and you heard her Oriki, you feel gassed up. So yeah. I'm like, we need one for ourselves. So in the book, I actually put a formula in there for you to write one for yourself. And I wrote one for myself. Because when you need to be hyped up and nobody's around to hype you up, just hype yourself up with your wiki. What's yours? Ah, well, let me read it to you. <laughs> I am Lovey of House Jones, first of her name, assassin of the alphabet, bestseller of books, conqueror of copy, dame of diction, critic of culture, sorceress of side eyes, queen of the Jones kingdom, taker of stages, Nigerian noble, and Chi-Town creator. Yes. <laughs> I love it. You launched this book during Women's History Month, which is yes. fantastic timing. Give me a quick list of, of some women authors that have inspired your journey. Toni Morrison. Mm-hmm. For me, Toni Morrison is just, she gave me permission to be a Black girl who's unapologetic about putting her words on paper. Of course, Maya Angelou, like, a writer's writer. I know why the cage bird sings is a book that you can read every year and still pull something out of it. Let's see. Those two, those two might be. I mean, I, I feel like that, that might, you can stop there for now, for sure. That, that definitely covers it. Your first book, I'm judging you, the do better manual. That was a New York bestseller, lovey. So, so does that come with added pressure now that you've written this follow-up? Yes. Well, here's the thing. I am dedicated and committed to, Having my book not just become a New York Times bestseller, but also help a million people fight their fears. And for me as a Black woman, to become a New York Times bestseller for the second time will have a domino effect that will allow other Black women to walk into publishing houses and be taken seriously and say, Lovey did it so I can do it. So absolutely, I am committed to seeing this book in the charts. I want this book to be read all around the world because I deeply believe that this message, these words, would transform people's lives. Because I've already seen it transform one life. If nothing else, Lovey, quickly tell us what readers should be left with once they read Professional Troublemaker. Readers will be left with the audacity to dream audaciously and do the thing that's scary, that they might not have done before because they didn't think they had the right or they felt too uncomfortable. I want you to read this book and have it loan you that courage and that power that you need to do that thing. That feels big, that feels hard, that feels uncomfortable, but that thing that could transform your life. That's author Lovey Ajayi-Jones. Her new book, Professional Troublemaker, The Fear Fighter Manual, is out now. Lovey, such a pleasure. Thanks for talking with us. Best of luck with the virtual tour. Thank you so much for having me. And that's today's Reset. Want to discover more local authors and hear about their latest work? make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. We're here for you Monday through Friday, and we even drop bonus pods on the weekend. And they're all 20 minutes or less, the perfect size to make it a part of your daily routine. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.